UX Podcast Episode 86. Balancing business technology and users every other Friday from Stockholm, Sweden. I'm James Roy Lawson, speaking very softly and quietly for some reason. Yes, extremely quietly. <laughs> well, maybe I'll push that up, maybe I won't. <laughs> I'm Panax Boom. What are we doing today? We are going to be talking again to Chris Nussel. Yeah, uh, we talked to Chris Nussel two years ago. Along with um, Nathan um, Shedroff. And, and I know you know what episode that was that is episode number 25 yeah james and per make it so yeah. make it so was the name of or is the name of the book that nathan and chris uh, wrote right um about um sci-fi interfaces mm-hmm. um and the, oh, the different interfaces and technologies that are used in films depicted in films and episode 25 it, i listened to it again today actually because we we're going to be talking to him and it's a really good show it's I amazing. need to listen to it. Yeah, it, it, it geeks it up a lot on the sci-fi. But, well, what are you going to do when you're talking to two guys who spent eight or nine years researching science fiction interfaces to write a, a, a book about it? Um, right, I'm so jealous, actually. <laughs> so, <laughs> they get to write a book about it, and now Chris Dossel is actually, he has sci-fi interfaces.com where he blogs about sci-fi, but he also yeah. organizes events around sci-fi. Yeah, has movie nights. Movie and nights and oh, workshops. And, like, oh, well, in workshops, because today... Um, it's the first time Chris is running his redesigning Star Wars workshop, right? Um, which is he's, he's conceptive. He's taken, he's produced, um, and in use here in Sweden, have invited him to um, to run it here in Stockholm. As I said for the first time, and um, we've just taken part in it. Mm. Um, three and a half hours of frenet- frenetic activity and and um, and fun. Mm. But if you get an invite to a workshop. Entitled "Redesigning Star Wars," you just jump at it. Uh, me and you are forty odd year old <laughs> white men who grew up with Star Wars and love the films. Of course, we're gonna jump I at know. it, and that's why I'm jealous as well. I mean, <laughs> he's, he's organizing workshops, and there's just no way it can fail. There's no yeah. way of failing this workshop. Not, not for us. Exactly, and anybody who comes to the workshop gets to do a lot of fun stuff with with Star Wars. Yeah. How can you be disappointed with the workshop? It's impossible. He'd it have to be, start hitting us or something just to <laughs> make us disappointed. I think even then you'd probably struggle. <laughs> probably. Yeah, I think I'd still enjoy it. See, oh, no, God, what am I saying? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> not there again. No, not there again. But, um, but, well, Chris has got a really, really tight schedule. He's, um, he's flown in here to Stockholm from Malmö, the south of Sweden, mm-hmm. um, just for today to do this workshop and then to present uh, mm-hmm. again this evening and present an award. Um, so we managed to grab him for 17 minutes of fun and chat after the yeah. workshop. I love that you're so exact. 17 minutes of chat. Well, I know. <laughs> We've already recorded this one. Yeah. So, <laughs> let's just play the tape. Play the tape. Is it, it's an old cassette tape, isn't it? <laughs> we need sound effects. <laughs> Hello, Chris Nossel. We just spent... A half day with you redesigning Star Wars interfaces, and has been so much fun. It has <laughs> been crazy, really, really good fun. Um, 
little bit of backing up here mm. and say, well, nice to chat to you again. Yep. It's two years almost exactly since we interviewed you and Nathan. Yeah, um, well coordinated. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, you tried. Yeah, it was l- late October. It was late October yeah. 2012, yeah. just um, <laughs> around the time of the launch of the book, yeah. make it so. Um, and this, was being, this is the first time you've run um, a workshop yeah. off the Entire. back of yep. the um, book. Now, um, at the end of our interview two years ago, that was what we finished on: was where you were going to take this. Oh and God, you what talked did I about say? no, you're talking about um, educate, you know, wanting to use this as an educational tool, mm. and that's where we are. That's I'm floored that <laughs> <laughs> a that I actually said that, and b that we're here talking after having done it. Yeah. Um, uh, because yeah, I uh, I think the part that probably felt the weirdest to the students in the room was that part about abstracting. Um, all the fun because it's crazy amounts of fun, mm. um, but uh, abstracting for some lesson that could play through mm. to the real world of design. Mm. Um, and uh, one of the one of the students here was actually um, a professor. I don't know if you caught that, no? but the guy yeah. sitting right here, yeah, oh, from right. Right. Yeah, oh, next oh, oh, he was your teammate. Yeah, he was yeah, my he was teammate. Yeah. Um, and so he was he used mm. sci-fi all the time in education. Mm. So it's not like that crazy of an idea, mm. but I think to get. Uh, real-world designers to mesh their nerdy interest mm. in science fiction uh, with their practical day-to-day work is, to, I think at first it feels like a stretch. Um, mm. But for me, it's kind of the point. Mm. So I was really glad to see mm. that those teams that did commit and say, oh, mm. here's what we learned. I was like, mm. that's, that's the thing. Exactly. That's the educational bit. Yeah, I like that we had to actually put down the learning points afterwards. What did we actually learn from this that we can apply in our regular work today? So you, you actually started scifiinterfaces.com uh, after our last talk then two years ago uh actually this was so weird mm. with the the way that books are produced mm. you do a ton of writing you do a ton of editorial feedback um then you hand it off to the publisher to yeah. do the layout yeah so there was actually about two months prior to the book's actual oh and then of course there's printing right um there's about two two and a half months mm. prior to it where we were kind of idle mm-hmm. that's when i had the idea to start the blog and start up so i think oh, nice. technically okay. the blog started about <laughs> two months before uh the the book came out but yes you can think of them simultaneously yes, all, all hanging up there together. Yeah. <clears throat> well so we've we've spent three and a half hours um, doing this um talk us talk us through a little bit about the process that we've just gone through for our listeners the basic process is user-centered design um, which means that you go out and you try and understand a problem deeply, fundamentally, at a systemic level. Then you apply your design chops to it. Um, UCD, which is the acronym for user-centered design, um, almost always canonizes iteration. So that notion about getting feedback from a separate team mm-hmm. um, and then iterating on it. And I'm sure people did a second iteration before they even presented um, is all straight out of UCD. There are just a few salient differences when you get to doing it with a sci-fi bent. Uh, The first is that typically you were thinking of broad groups of users, personas, of Mm. course, is the tool of choice for most designers. But in this case, you're thinking about a character. Mm. R2-D2, yes, is a class of droid in this world, um, but he is one droid. um, And it it creates some really interesting design opportunities. There's one team uh, who chose to do Darth Vader TIE fighter. And they identified that, oh, he is a Sith. He has telekinetic powers. Mm -hmm. Then that doesn't mean that the controls need to be within easy reach. They can be across the cockpit, and he can just think about it and turn it on that way. (laughs) I thought it was really beautiful and brilliant, um, but not something that you would do for general release within the Empire. Mm. Um, So there's both some unusual bents to it, but because this particular film is so beloved by the people in the room, you don't really have to rely on 
other research like you would with user-centered mm -hmm. design. Mm -hmm. um, but ultimately, uh, the other thing that I love about it is the humor that comes up. Mm. Um, people were sort of laughing about solving problems for the empire when they're doing world <laughs> destruction. Mm. Uh, and of course, that's not something we would ever want to do in the real world, um, but uh, super fun to be able to do it for a brief time. I think I actually haven't answered your question. Let me actually go step by step through it, uh, which is that um, I get people to work in groups. I'm a big believer in pair design. Uh, Cooper pioneered it. I talk about it around the world. So we get people into those groups so that they can have that pair design experience. Um, next up, we pick a technology, and that technology is one of 25 that we've identified throughout the film. Um, we took great pains to identify it, describe it, and also describe those, those users, the characters who's using it. Mm. Um, then the next step after they pick a technology um, is to describe it, both with a drawing mm. and um, then a call-outs, little handwritten Annotations, notes. Yeah. yeah, about what that thing is. Once you've got that description, it's a really great basis for critique. So I ask the students to critique the work um, using either just their inspiration or a set of heuristics that Cooper talks about, uh, the, the four types of work. Uh, then once they have those two things, they make a decision on whether they want to use technology that is in the film or modern technology, and then just dive headfirst into design. Um, they do that design. Uh, once they get to a point, they feed it with an, uh, get, uh, share it with another team, get feedback, iterate it, and present it. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, somewhere in there, I ask them to uh, come up with a set of lessons that they can use to apply to everyday work. So that's the description of the process. Yeah. And anyway, I, one, one of my reflections from it is I... Um, because we're working with Star Wars, and as you said, that for at least all of us in this room anyway, we do know this film. We 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 don't we don't need any more research because we know everything we need we can about this little film. Um, but when you when you're annotating the um, the thing you're going to work with, and you work, when you're describing it and working out well, what is this, you start to realise how little information you how many holes there are how many. Things are really mm. actually missing. All the kind of artistic <laughs> license and the things you've ignored because it's the mm. film. But when it comes to design, you're now realizing, okay, I can't just you know, ignore all this and design something anyway. Mm. I really do need to do the user research or, the, or understand the problem and the, mm. the, the process maybe behind this mm. and limitations and, and mm. scope it. Because as a viewer, you just fill in the blanks. Yeah. But going this deep into it, yeah. it was a bit of a pain because you had to realize, oh my God, this doesn't this, work. This is wrong. Yeah. <laughs> it just Wait. doesn't work again after again. It's, oh no, this just can't work. How does it, yeah. how do they, how do they ever fire this? <laughs> well, certainly as, as an audience, mm. we are used, to, we, we understand the point of the interface. Mm. We're watching a story. The interface is meant to show you how character A understands B or does mm. C. And so it almost doesn't matter if there's mm. a giant hole mm. there because you see the character at the mm. interface, you see the results, you understand that's how they did it. Yeah. Um, and you just, gloss over that psychologically mm. you say i get it and then now the mood is destroyed and now there's another problem for the characters mm. to deal with but you're right and that's part of the pleasure that i get certainly from <laughs> yeah. ru running the blog mm. um but also that i was hoping to introduce students to that when you use your design brain mm. instead of your audience brain suddenly you get into giant gaping holes that mm. need to be mm. redesigned and filled yeah our our job is just not as easy as the filmmaker's job it's it is true. Mm -hmm. on, on the other hand, I think that there are narrative concerns. And this was some of the students yes. uh, raised this, and I thought it was a great question. Do we try and solve the, the interface problem and keep the narrative intact? Yeah. Which is something that sci-fi sci interface designers have to deal with that we don't. Mm, right. Not in the same sense. Certainly a use mm. narrative, but not a well, yeah, I mean, story uh, narrative. Well, we, we still deal with user journeys. And I mean, there is a narrative in, in quite a lot of situations mm. or a you know, conversion path or mm. something. So mm -hmm. we're not devoid of, of narratives, I suppose. But um, 
but we don't have the artistic license mm. in the same way. We can't we can't change the narrative just because we've mm. we've seen a hole that's a bit too big. I think we'll, we'll fill that one in and we'll, <laughs> we'll we'll put this flashing light there instead. Mm. Yeah, we certainly can't hand wave. And there are also things in sci-fi like yeah. uh, dystopian scenarios, mm. um, like blowing up a moon mm. uh, that we really <laughs> hope to not do in our real everyday jobs. Mm. Um, but there are, there there are also things where the the interface is the problem to solve that we would say, well, don't just don't do that. Mm. Um, the movie Sphere. Do you guys remember that one? Um, uh, it was a Michael Crichton film, nineties. Yeah, anyway, yeah, it was yeah. kind of old. It's not a not a great piece of sci-fi, but like the point of the movie was the mystery of the sphere, mm. and the interface was how you learn that mystery. If we were designing that, mm. we would say, "Well, sphere, just just tell them what you're doing and what you're there for." But of course, mm. um, you lose the, the the notion of a narrative and an interesting story. Um, so they do have to answer to different masters, um, even though they do we do share that narrative thread, mm. right? Another effect of the exercise we did today that I wasn't expecting really was how it really forced you to think about the environment that the characters were in. Yeah. Because, uh, for example, our team did the gunner's uh, uh, seat on the Falcon. Falcon. Falcon yeah. yeah. And you start looking at, well, how did they get to the seats? Mm. What's the environment? That? Why don't they have seat belts on? <laughs> go, go, going into the exercise, yeah. I, was, I, thought, I was thinking about the interface, about the actual interface they're looking at when they're actually shooting the guns. And I thought that was what we were going to be talking about. But looking at the scene, you were seeing so many constraints and so many different aspects you had to take into account mm. that it really forced you to think about, well, user design, user customer journey mapping, all those aspects that are difficult to force people into. So, I mean... I will, I for one will actually be using things like this in, in, in education and with my clients to get them to understand and force them into seeing, well, this is the complete environment that you're mm -hmm. working in and how does that affect the, the final interface? I think you're right. It's about yeah. the, the kind of the colorfulness of the persona mm -hmm. that you've got to work with because of your engagement with the film yeah. really helps with, with picturing the problem. Exactly. Um, I mean, we, our, our team did the... Um, um, oh, the guy who's pressing all the buttons to fire the super laser from the mm. Death Star. Um, and that character, it's got a black helmet on with the tiniest of slots in the front of it, which is himself has black glass in. I have yeah. no idea how he sees anything. Um, so, but that, that really impacted our design because yeah. we, we designed, we designed the, the kind of um, launching system, I suppose, for the, well, the definite, what do you call it? The, the super sequence, laser. the super laser sequence for firing it. Designed it so that it was more a timeline, a, a progress mm. bar, so that it would fit. I don't think I've got a chance to mention that during my little presentation. <laughs> but it was actually designed to be the same kind of aspect ratio as the, <laughs> the slit in helmet. helmet. Yeah, you didn't mention that. Great, no, we had two effect. minutes. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a lot of time. Yeah. Um, but actually, I, I think you're right. And one of the things that you can do a lot when you use sci-fi as part of design is the characters that are known become shorthands for either problems or capabilities. In your case, mm. you guys designed those tactile uh, the buttons that were that were tactically different, That's right. um, and you did it because that stormtrooper really couldn't see mm. things. But anyone who was distracted, like mm. looking at a road mm. or uh, their attention is on another person, could use that same thing. Mm. But you could use that as a shorthand in the future, talking mm. about a particular design. How would the gunner use it? How would Darth Vader use it? Mm. Um, uh, I, I do a, a, some Halloween personas at Cooper, um, and uh, there is like one persona that we did, uh, Juan the Ghost. Um, and at first, it seems like that's absolutely silly until you realize that uh, the only interface that a ghost can use is a gesture one. Can't actually come into contact mm. with any buttons mm. or anything like that. Uh, so a freeform gesture. So the ghost becomes a quick shorthand for thinking about gestural problems in the same way that that super laser gunner can become a shorthand for talking about uh, blind or yeah. distracted users. Yeah, and that actually came up in mm. our 
conversations that we we said that well you know we've got a, a full on case of, of accessibility here yeah yeah because yeah, exactly. of our persona who yeah. was actually a <laughs> you know, carriage from Star Wars. So have you found like the perfect workshop? Because do, are you met <laughs> are you met with much skepticism or? What type of feedback do you get with people? I'm thinking people also want to attend this workshop. They tell their bosses, I, I need some money because I want to attend this workshop. What's it about? I'm going to redesign Star Wars. <laughs> I mean, it sounds insane. Uh, yeah. It does sound super insane. And I actually did not ask about how people got here. Mm. Uh, fortunately, in use was handling all of that. Yeah. Um, so if there was any resistance, I did not hear about it yet. Mm. Uh, but it, it must it can't be. resist the dark side. <laughs> Uh, there, there has to be uh, some resistance to that yeah. because it, it seems on the surface, especially to somebody who's not vested in science mm. fiction, um, that it's silly. And of course, yeah. we have a good time. Yeah. Um, but that's also part of why part of the workshop involves that lesson creation exactly. so that when you go back and have that conversation, you can say, mm. we talked about feedback. Mm. We talked about tactility. We talked about distraction. Mm. Those are things that you do in design. Mm. Mm. I'm wondering, though, um, okay, this is all hung around Star Wars, but could you take pretty much any popular cultural film even if it didn't have a huge number of interfaces could you actually take uh, different types of film um, and apply this workshop concept to it in order to engage a non-science fiction audience because there are definitely people out there that would just be no way they're going to turn up for this type of workshop because mm. science fiction is not something on their plate so you take sleepless in seattle or yeah you've got mail and exactly but to do yeah. what with it? To well, redesign? Well, use it, as, use it as the vehicle for, for a workshop. In the same way oh, as you know, like personas or, or, or scenes. Um, and uh, kind of redesigning a scene. Um, or a scenario, yes. A scenario. I think um, very much so. Uh, who was it? Uh, Bloom was the fellow's last name. Uh, in my undergraduate, we were required to read a book by... Uh, crap, I can't remember his first name. His last name is Bloom. And it was called The Closing of the American Mind. I um, mean, it was super stodgy, uh, old, curmudgeonly text. Uh, but he was complaining about the lack of a cultural touchstone, a shared point, uh, a shared point of reference. I mean, he was complaining largely about the, the loss of uh, the Bible, the Judeo-Christian Bible. Mm. Um, but I think he kind of missed the point. And I even realized this in undergraduate. We have those cultural touchstones. They're mm. just pop culture. Um, so, yes, I think pop culture is something that we share. It becomes that shorthand part of the lingua franca uh, uh, of discussion. And that's part of what the power of this workshop is, is we don't have to go to user research. We've all seen Star Wars. Um, so many people have seen The Matrix. Um, and, yeah, I plan on not only doing other properties, but I think there's an opportunity to do a property for a given technology. Yeah. So, like, let's talk about wearable Star Wars. Yeah. What if the constraint mm -hmm. is everybody has to solve one of these interface problems with a wearable technology? That becomes another filter and a yeah. constraint that I think can drive uh, a lot of fresh thinking uh, about new technologies. I love it. Yeah. Really good. Yeah. We know we have a busy schedule, so we're actually going to let you go. And you have another talk to give tonight, I think, yeah. as well. It's a busy week in <laughs> <Yeah>. Sweden. <laughs> <laughs> and it's your first time in Stockholm, so it's yeah. been really nice yeah. to have you in person on the show as well. And it's, when it's snowing, which we're not getting in San Francisco, mm. so it's super lovely. Yeah, I got oh, a bit... Well, it's uh, not lovely, isn't it? No. It's more rain. Oh, <laughs> I, I can tell you that. I, I mean, Snow you know, and rain. Me mixed. and Claire um, chatted a bit this morning, and I, I got a bit nervous. I think, God, oh, I'd, I'd hate to have the schedule. Like Chris has today, when the weather looks like this outside, <laughs> kind of jet-setting between cities and airplanes yeah. and things when it's kind of wet mm -hmm. snow coming down. Yeah, it's mm -hmm. true. But fortunately, I get to rely on the professional expertise of taxis. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not behind the wheel. Thanks, for, thanks, thanks so, much. so much for joining us. Yeah, it was really yeah. good to see you guys and actually put faces yes, to the yeah, names. So you. Uh, thanks again. Thank you. Thanks. And we just watched the taxi.
disappear as Chris goes off to the, the Inuit Awards tonight. Yeah, that was, uh, he has had a crazy schedule. I, I don't envy him about that, actually. Uh, I do envy him still about this workshop because it has been so much fun jam-packed into a short time frame. And mm. you really just want to keep going. All of the people I was talking to said, oh, we, we want to do more of this. We should do more of this. That's, yeah. That we know. We've, we've been through a fair few three-hour workshops. So this was three and a half. Mm. Um, and it is a difficult format. Mm. Um, and you, to succeed within that format of workshop, you do need to be disciplined with timing. Mm. And Chris and his um, helper today, Ben, um, did a really good yes. job. That was, uh, yeah, big plus for that, actually. Yeah. It was really good at keeping time. Yeah. And as you were mentioning, at UXLX, we've been to a fair few workshops where they haven't been able to keep time, and you just, and you're just rem- a bit disappointed about them yeah. not showing all the slides and you're not getting as oh, much Oh, they've removed exercises because they want to talk more right. and present more. Mm-hmm. Um, but here... Um, so if this was just at, one exercise after another. In, it was constant exercises. Yeah. I mean, and Chris himself didn't speak a huge amount, which is no. good because it was a workshop. Yes. Um, but um, if we're talking about workshop take um they used... Um, an iPad Mini at the front um, with a clock on, mm. t- counting down for the how, how much time you had left for that particular part of the exercise, mm. um, which is very useful because you didn't need to keep repeating stuff. You mm. could actually just look to the front. You could see how much time we had left. Yes. Useful planning tool. Very nice. Um, and he didn't skip anything. We stuck to everything and um, because it was meticulous with the timing. Very it predictable. Yeah. The way you want it. Yeah. If it's designed. Yeah. Um, it's almost as if he's given a lot of thought to it. Yeah. But, uh, and given it's the first time the workshop was run, then I'm impressed, actually. It worked so well. Oh, yeah, I think we must mention that he, he's gone into so much detail with this and oh. put so much effort into it with all the examples Handouts. of what, what we have to redesign. He also had QR codes to actually watch the clips yeah. of the scenes that had components that were to be redesigned. I'll, say, I'll, I'll upload a photo um, uh, to the show, um, show notes to show you what they're like. But he did every the the um, there was twenty five I think um, uh, well uh, things to choose from for, for just to redesign. Um, but these were these were character driven mm-hmm. options. So there was like R two D two when he's interfacing with the escape pod. From the Star Destroyer. And they were all from Episode 4, weren't they? Yeah, yeah, all from yeah. Star Wars. But yeah. he was redesigning Star Wars. It wasn't yes. redesigning Episode no, that's 5 true. or anything. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, and on these, it was like a um, persona page. So you had the character's name, um, the character's picture, um, and a bit about them. Or if it was a, a droid or something, it would give you their, their um, functionality. Yeah. Um, and then there was a um, description of the scene in you know um, several boxes, mm. um, detailing the key actions during that scene you know um goes into um, a capsule presses this button connects to that interface launches something does something very very dry it's but almost a, like he spent two years just putting together the workshop I, I, material it was a huge amount of time and then you said there was qr codes and links yeah. as well so you could quickly scan it with your phone mm. this is one of the best implementations of qr codes i've ever seen i didn't use useful mm. um that you could scan the code with your phone and all of us managed to pull up the exact part of the film mm. That was referenced mm. within no time at all. Yeah, and interesting. Also, he all of them hosted on his own website as well because of he got pull down requests from YouTube. Yeah, <laughs> even though it's fair use because he was just doing short clips of Star Wars, mm. yeah, um, which we are critiquing. Yeah, I think it was less than two minutes each clip, wasn't it? Yeah. Oh, oh. well, what did what oh, I only mentioned during the interview? Some of the things I've, I feel like I've I've learned from this, but I. I I do like the idea of running this kind of concept, um, this workshop concept where 
you have got something so familiar that it it, it removes a certain task that you need to perform. Mm. The kind of that that familiarization in the beginning of a workshop to get everyone on the same page. Yep. You've, yeah, you've, it's, it's impressive. I mean, you walk into the workshop oh. room and we're all friends because we're all Star Wars. Fans. We had a common topic. Yeah. We had common understanding. We'd, we'd seen we'd seen the original you know, the original thing. We'd be, mm. We're very familiar with it. It mm. wasn't like it was the first time we'd ever seen it, which it can often be in workshop, mm. um, you know, when tasks. Um, and within the first, I think within twenty minutes, we were starting to sketch things. And we weren't just guys, and we weren't just all the same age. No. There were a few under 30s and some You're women right. as well. Yeah, actually, Chris asked, um, how many of you were born before 1977? Yeah. <laughs> and how many of you were born after 1977? Mm. Um, so 1977 being the year that Star Wars was released. Yes. For those of you who are not so familiar with the whole thing. But certainly if you have the chance to attend this workshop, I mean, there's absolutely no way you could not enjoy it if you're a Star Wars fan or just a mm. science fiction fan. Mm. But am. even if you're not, I think you'd enjoy it anyway. <laughs> uh, exactly. And I think it's, yeah. it's good inspiration. I mean, try, you could even try doing this kind of concept mm. in a workshop, maybe. Um, uh, so some kind of team, like a team building or, ec- or yeah. education exercise with people. Take another film. Um, it doesn't have to be a science fiction one, even. I think this would work, as we mentioned. I think it would work with, with any pop culture film. I as long as you well. slice it right. I think you. I think you're. Choose you're the right something. scene. Yeah, mm. choose the right scene, and I think you're aware. Mm. And pairing up working in twos, I do love that. Yes, exactly. Mm. And getting uh, feedback often uh, because you're sitting around a table and you're a pair uh, teams of two, and you, there were other people sitting around the table as well, and you got uh, feedback from them, which was really good. Yeah, you worked in pairs, and then you exchanged. Well, you did mini presentations mm. to the pair opposite, um, which worked really well as an iterative way of. of moving forward. Uh, and of course, I mean, this is what Chris Nossel is really good at. I mean, mm. he's been an educator at uh, Cooper for quite a while now and yeah. he has been teaching the fundamentals of interaction design uh, to uh, people all over the world. He's got this down really good and he's, it, it, you can tell in, in the way that mm. workshop is set up as well. Yeah. Yeah, no, it was um, very professionally done. Thank you, Chris. Thank uh, you. Thank you, Winnews, for bringing him here. Mm. And uh, everyone. Well, don't do it too soon. Really? What, what do we have to say now? You've got to remind people that they can find the show notes on uxpodcast.com. Mm-hmm. And um, I'll see what we can put up from today's workshop there. Um, and you can find us anywhere with UX Podcast. Twitter yeah. and Stitcher and iTunes and Facebook. And and you may actually want to subscribe to our mailing list because... Good reminder. Yeah. We'll um, be sending out... Um, email there quite soon I think. very soon next week um, you can subscribe to our mailing list by just visiting com, and there is a hello bar at the top it's everyone knows what, know what a hello bar there's well, a bar go, at the top where they you, are going to find out field. if they don't know they're going to visit our website <laughs> and they go oh that's a hello bar yeah. <laughs> so we're educating ah. as well as encouraging people to subscribe to our mailing list um, and that's thank, my cue and that's your cue <laughs> Remember to keep moving. See you on the other side.